He is risen. We are so blessed to have you with us for our Easter service this morning, whether you're sitting here in the room or whether you're sitting in your living room uh, watching online at home. Uh, we had a beautiful sunrise service this morning. The sun came through just as we were singing our last song. I heard that a bird came and, and perched up on the building and kind of sang along with us and then flew away when we were gone. It was like really cool. Um, and we had breakfast this morning. I hope that uh, those of you who were able to make it were able to get some breakfast. Very good stuff. Not a whole lot left over. So we, uh, you guys did a great job. I really want to thank uh, Chapel Lights for putting that uh, breakfast on for us this morning. But we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has emerged victorious in this thing that we've been calling the battle between two trees. And the battle began soon after God had created the man and the woman and placed them in the Garden of Eden to work it, to live in it, and to be in a relationship with one another and to be in a relationship with God. And God had given the man and the woman the, the whole garden and everything in it. He gave them every tree that was good for food. And God had also given the man and the woman one command, one rule, just one, for living in the Garden of Eden. There was one tree that they were not to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said that if they ate from that tree, they would die. Everything God had created, the heavens, the earth, the sun, moon, stars, the animals, were perfect. Humans were perfect. Can you imagine humans being perfect, just boggles the mind. I can't imagine a perfect human being, but there they were, perfect. They obeyed God's one command and they lived in perfect love, in perfect relationship with each other, in perfect love, in perfect relationship with God. Then one of God's creations, the serpent, who we know as Satan, walked into the garden. And the serpent was looking for a way to rip humanity from this perfect relationship that they had with God and with each other. And he knew that the best way to do that was to make the woman and the man doubt God's perfection. Things could just not be that perfect. That's what Satan was thinking. He wanted to doubt God's goodness. He wanted them to doubt that God wanted the very best for them. And the serpent asked the woman, did God say, you may not eat of the trees that are in the garden? And the serpent knew that God never said that. And the woman replied, no, we can eat of every tree in the garden except for that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're not supposed to eat that, we're not supposed to even touch it, or else we're going to die. Well, God never said that either. He didn't say that you couldn't touch the tree. He just said, don't eat from it. Satan says, you're not going to die. In fact, this is how imperfect things are. God knows that on the day that you eat the fruit from that tree, not only will you be human, but you will be like God knowing good and evil. You see, the serpent, Satan, planted the seed of doubt. Why wouldn't God 
want you to be like Him? Why wouldn't God want you to know good and evil? I mean, what kind of God would want to keep that from you? And it worked. The woman ate the fruit. She took some of the fruits of the man and he ate the fruit. And death entered the world. But not that day, not physical death. What entered the world that day was spiritual death. The death of the human soul. And humanity's relationship with God was broken because the spirit that God had breathed into man and woman when he created them, that spirit was now dead. And dead spirits cannot have a relationship with a living God. And God looked down on humanity at their dead spirits, and even though it was through their own choices that their spirits became dead, God said, I want you back. He said, I want humanity back. And God started fighting from that day forward to bring humanity back, to restore our broken relationship with Him, and to restore our broken relationships with each other. When Jesus, God's Son, came down from heaven and lived as a human, as one of these imperfect beings, He had one purpose. One goal, and that was to provide the way back to God. To rescue humanity, to restore our relationship with the Father. And he opened that way back to God by dying on the cross. Or as scripture calls it, the tree. The battle that began in the Garden of Eden with one tree and brokenness was finished on another tree. And it offers us reconciliation. It offers us peace with God. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That we have a way back to our Creator Father through Christ's death. But the good news does not stop there. Because Jesus continued fighting back. And this time, another battle for humanity. Remember when I just said that death had entered the world because humanity had rejected God's command, decided that they wanted to be God? Well, Jesus fought the battle against death. Death itself. And he won. But his battle wasn't against physical death, although he did physically rise from the grave. His battle was to fight for our spirits, to fight for our souls to be resurrected, to live again. Jesus opened the way to the Father through the crucifixion. And he opened the way to life by rising from the dead. The battle between the two trees was over. The fight was won. 
Mission accomplished. How many times have we heard that one before? Except the war rages on. And that doesn't make sense to a lot of us. Well, if Jesus died for everybody, if Jesus rose again so everybody could live again, then what else is there to do? And it's true, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, and there is no way that we can earn our way back to the Father only by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, only that believing that God raised him from the dead is the way back to the Father. You see, God wants us back, and that's the absolute truth. God wants with everything that he is, to restore us because he loves us. But he's not going to force you to come back. And that's the thing we forget quite often. God's not in the business of forcing anybody to do anything. We have to want to have a restored relationship with the Father. We need to want to have our spirit, our soul, come back to life. And the serpent, the enemy of God, Satan will do anything to keep you from wanting any such thing. He will keep you from wanting to have a relationship with God. He will keep you from wanting even eternal life. Jesus told a parable once about how we respond to hearing that God desires a relationship with us, to hearing the good news of the kingdom. And the parable is about a farmer. Now, I know some of you here are farmers, and, and, you, and you'll really kind of get this parable right away. Some of you are not, right? We have, we have uh, rural people, and then we have suburban people. And sometimes the suburban people have lost a little bit of touch with farming and things like that. But Jesus told this story, and he told it to a bunch of farmers. He told it in this way because they would absolutely understand what he was talking about. And this story is in Matthew chapter 13. And we start reading in Matthew 13, verse 3. A sower, a farmer, went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. Of soil, sorry. But, I know, I'm there already. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now that's a weird expression. He who has ears, let him hear. What Jesus is always saying when he says that phrase is that he has just told you a parable. He has just told you a story. He is relating something that you know to the kingdom of God. And later, 
in Matthew 13, Jesus explains the parable. And he explains it because maybe they didn't get it, maybe they didn't understand it, but I think he explained it for us. I think he saw that eventually we would not be a, a, a race of farmers, that we would be living in big cities and big towers and big buildings, and we wouldn't have anything to do with this. So Jesus decided to explain it to us. In Matthew 13, 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. He who has ears, let him hear. So hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So Jesus talks about seed falling along the path. The birds came and ate it up. What it really means ladies and gentlemen, is that Satan is coming and taking the word of God away from these people who don't understand it so that it has absolutely no possibility of rooting. Trouble is, sometimes we don't hear the word of God much anymore. Sometimes we don't hear it from our pastors, our preachers, our evangelists. And more and more, we're unable to share it ourselves because we don't know it. Haven't read it. Couldn't tell you what's in the Bible. And this is just a sad state of affairs for Christians because what we should be doing is we should be reading the Bible daily. We should be studying it. We should be praying that the Holy Spirit will come and teach us because that's what Jesus said he would do. The Holy Spirit will teach you what is in Scripture and what it actually means, but you got to read it. I'm a teacher. When my students are failing my class, my favorite question is, what can I do to bring my grade up? You want to know what you can do to bring your grade up? Do the work that I assigned. Read the book. Take the test. Pass the test. It's what we expect of our kids, right? Chloe, you expect that you're not going to pass a test if you don't study, right? Well, guess what, folks? Christianity is a test. Christianity is a test. People are seeking. People are looking for God. And they're looking to us because we're supposed to have the answers. We're the professors. We're the teachers. If I walked into a classroom and started teaching physics, my students would be stupid in the art of physics because I know nothing about physics. I've never even opened a physics book. I might know a name of a physics guy. I don't even know what they call physic physician. No, they're not physician. Most of what I know of physics I learned from the TV show The Big Bang Theory. That's what I know of physics. And if I were to go in and I were going to try to teach this class, I would fail miserably, and so would my students. And yet, when people come and actually have questions about what's in the Bible, 
actually want to know who God is. Who is this Jesus? Why is he different? Why are you different because of him? If we haven't read and studied and prayed, it's like we're the teacher trying to teach physics when we have a degree in history. Not going to work. And people today are impatient. People today don't want to wait for a long time to get answers to their questions. And if we're not ready, if we're not armed with the knowledge and the understanding that comes from reading Scripture, they're going to go somewhere else. And their souls are going to stay dead. And that's just what the enemy wants, isn't it? He wants you and me to stay as far from the Bible as possible. How many of you wake up in the morning, I'm going to read my Bible today as soon as I make a cup of coffee. Oh, well, then let me check my texts. Let me check my emails. Oh, the baby's crying. Oh, the children need to get up and go to school. Oh, this, oh, that. And all of a sudden, the entire day is gone. We haven't read our Bible. And the enemy loves that. That's what he wants. He wants us to stay away from it. He knows that we know these tiny little bits here and there, right? John 3.16. Almost everybody in this room who's been in church for more than five years can quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There you go. What's the next verse? Absolutely, that is the next verse. Thank you so much. Not a lot of us know the next verse. We like to pick our verses, though, don't we? How many of you have a life verse? A lot of people today have life verses. They take one verse out of the Bible. Sometimes doesn't even mean what they think that it means, but they'll take it, and that's my life verse. We need to have a life verse. Bible. We need to know everything that's in it. And if we can't figure something out, we need to find somebody else who's smarter than us, and I have to do that all the time. I need to find somebody who's smarter than me that might be able to help me. I need to pray to the Holy Spirit that I might be able to understand because we are still in a war. There's a list in the Bible that talks about the full armor of God. And there are like six or seven pieces of armor and one weapon. The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. And if we're not going to pick up that weapon and we're not going to train with it and we're not going to practice with it, Satan wins. It's just that simple. He wants to keep us away from there because if someone hears us speaking the Word of God's kingdom and we're speaking it with knowledge and understanding and wisdom, they might actually get to a point where they say, yeah, I want my spirit to have life again. I want to have a relationship with God the Father. But if the enemy can get us to just talk about Scripture without understanding, without wisdom, 
He'll just whisper in that person's ear, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't need that. Obviously, God's not that interested in you if this is the guy he sent to teach you about God. Just come on over here. You don't have to worry about all that God junk. And he swoops in and he removes the seeds. And that person will never have a chance to reconcile with the Father, at least not through our ignorance. We must know God's Word. We must interact with it. We must pray. We must have knowledge and understanding. And only then do our seeds even stand a chance of taking root in someone. And this passage goes on as for what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the Word and receives it immediately with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. On rocky ground, the person receives God's word, receives it with joy. They are happy to know that God wants a relationship with them. They are happy to know that their spirit can be alive. But like so many people, that they only get the idea that God is good when good things happen. When bad things start to happen, tribulation, persecution, it says here, the enemy whispers in his ear, look, see, God is not the answer. If God was the answer, nothing bad would ever happen to you. Why don't you come over here? Look over here. I'll give you something that'll work. Take a drink. Take a hit. And they walk away. Jesus goes on, as, what was, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And this might be the worst outcome of sowing the word of the kingdom because it's the place where the enemy likes to live the most because Satan makes the world attractive. We want these things. We want to do these things. Got to have the new iPhone. Got to go see the new movie. I got to get the new shoes. I got to go and buy the new car. Got to get the bigger house. Definitely need more money. How many of you need more money? Anybody? Anybody could? Okay. How many of you want more money? There you go. Maybe. Okay. There we go. And it gets worse because Satan convinces God's people that it's okay to want these things, these cares of the world, all of this attraction. And we get so overwhelmed with the cares of the world, with money and fame and power or wanting to be liked. That's a big one today. I just want people to like me. I got to have enough friends on Facebook and I got to have 800,000 Snapchat points and I got to do all of this stuff. And we worry, and that's what we spend our time on. And that's what we spend our money on. And it's extremely easy for us as Christ followers to twist God's Word to make it match our desires. I see that so often. And that's dangerous enough for ourselves, but what happens when other people see us doing it? What happens when other people look at us, and don't see any difference between us and everybody else. 
Well, they want the same things. They do the same things. Sometimes they cheat to get the money. Sometimes they do this. Sometimes they do that. What do I need God for? I'm doing that by myself without God. And the Word of God gets choked. There's one other thing that Satan does really well. Satan keeps the human soul dead so that we ignore it altogether. Satan doesn't want us thinking about souls. Satan doesn't want us thinking about eternal life. What Satan wants us thinking about is YOLO. Anybody know what YOLO means? You only live once. It was big about a year or two ago. That was the big thing. Everybody said, you got, you got to be happy. You got to go after what you want. You got to do what you want. You got to be who you want. YOLO. You only live once. You should do what makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, do whatever you want because you only live once. Eat, drink, be merry. That's in the Bible, by the way, in case you missed it. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's biblical. Well, it's in the Bible. Do whatever you want. Be whoever you want. Do whatever you want with whoever you want. But don't ever, ever be held back from being who you want to be because some old white guys thousands of years ago wrote stuff down and called it sin. No, you don't want, you want any of that. You only live once. Except if Satan were able to tell the truth, and we know that he's not because Jesus tells us that he is the father of liars and that lying is his native language. But if he were able to tell the truth, if humanity were able to recognize the lie, we would recognize that we're not really living at all when we only live once because our souls are still dead. Christianity has gotten some things right. And it has also gotten some things wrong. And Christianity for many years has preached this doctrine that if you believe in Jesus, God will send you to heaven. And if you don't, God will send you to hell. That's the way I heard it growing up. God will send you to hell if you don't repent of your sin. Folks, I think it's time that we cleared something up this morning. God will not send you to hell. And I just watched a couple of brains just explode right here. What do you mean God won't send us to hell? What are you talking about? I'm telling you. God will not send you to hell if you don't repent. And the reason I can tell you this is because our souls, when they are dead, are already in hell. Our souls, when they are dead, are already Satan's. God doesn't send us to hell. We're already there. Until we hear about Jesus Christ. And Satan doesn't want us to know that. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers 
to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan wants to keep you blind. He does. He wants us looking the other way. He doesn't want us looking to God. He doesn't want us looking to the cross. He wants us looking that way so that we don't see the truth. He entices us with shiny things, money and prestige and fame and sex and drugs and anything else that might make our bodies feel good for a while. Because if you only live once, you want your body to feel good for as long as possible. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father. It is from the world, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Satan only wants you to live once. Satan wants you to do everything you can to make yourself feel good until the day you die. Because the day you die, he knows he gets to keep your soul. And that's the truth. And Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to tell us, not you only live once, but I want you to come back to life. I want you to live forever. That doesn't make for a great acronym like YOLO, but it's the truth. Jesus Christ died on the cross to open our way back to God and Jesus rose again to open our way back to life. Life in the spirit that God breathed into humanity in the beginning at creation. And today we celebrate the life that Jesus came to give us. Jesus wants to pull us out of hell and send us to God the Father to live forever as his sons and his daughters. And this war rages on today. This battle where Satan tries everything he can to keep your soul and Jesus has already done everything he needs to do to get it back. And all we need to do is accept the work that Jesus has done. Are we ready to be pulled out of death? Are we ready for our souls to be resurrected into eternal life through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in the grave? He is risen. And because he is risen, we too can rise. We can live 
and we can live forever if we would just accept the work of Jesus Christ, if we would just allow him to pull us out of hell and lead us into the arms of the Father who has fought for our lives since the beginning. Which tree will you eat from today? The tree that keeps you dead? Or the tree that can make you alive? Just play, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for not giving up on our souls, giving up on humanity. We thank you that you want us rescued. Father, I pray today that anyone who is hearing these words or words around the world on this Resurrection Sunday, Father, I pray that they will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whisper to them, I want you alive. I want to raise you from the dead. I want you to live in the arms of God the Father forever. Father, make this church a church that is different. Make this church a church full of understanding and wise people who know your word, who know you, who know your son, and who have the heart and the desire to see others raised to life. I pray these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Easter morning. Jesus Christ is alive, and because he is alive, so can we be. I pray that every person who is here, every person who is at home, will consider the work that Jesus did on the cross and in the grave, and that you will allow him to rescue you. God bless you this week.